pueblo. Just like that, you're listening to Keeping It 100 with Jose Candelaria here on 103.5 FM, WNHH, New Haven, Independent.org, powered by La Voz Hispana, overseen by Norma Rodriguez, okay? So she's like, you better speak Spanish today. I think I might have to. I mean, I can, because my guest today is the Green Party gubernatorial candidate. Am I close, right? Yes. All right, Green Party gubernatorial. And you understand the Spanish? Exactly. Por eso quiero hablar un poco contigo. Dos preguntas en español para la... Para la gente hispana, para que, sí, pa, que, pa que sepan. Para que sepan. <laughs> para que lo sepan. Sí. Que tiene una persona aquí, candidata para el gobernador, que es para la gente uh -huh. del partido, partido Verde. Uh -huh. Green, Party, Green Party candidate, and I might, might as well say her name now, Michelle Louise Bicking. That's right. Why? Okay, so you're like the fourth candidate. You're not on any flyer. They don't even acknowledge you on those YouTube ads. It's like, oh, out of the three... Even, even on the dirt campaign for Ned Lamont, That's right. it's like, this guy's a racist, but there's only three people running. You're not there. Uh, you got to feel some kind of way about that. I don't, because I know it's intentional. They don't want the they, the powers that be who have access to uh, an enormous amount of funds, do not want you to know that there's a black queer woman of Caribbean descent running for governor of Connecticut. I would be the first um, of many to come um, to hold that office anywhere in the country. Um, and to, you know, to be able to speak my name. But yet they, they, they use my campaign information. Like even when I was listening to Bob Stefanowski's uh, interview with Paul Bass right before you, he had mentioned at least twice, Room at the Table. That's my campaign slogan. Mm. I always talk about making room at the table for those who haven't been able to eat, you know, meaning the underclass, mm -hmm. the working poor, mm -hmm. sex workers, mm -hmm. the disabled, all those people who have not been able to share what they need uh, to make their lives just a little bit better. Mm. You know, those are the people that I work for. But see, the problem is you don't have the money out there to put out all these campaign ads, you know, this, to put out your message. I mean, it, financially, it's not the same. No, so Room not. at the Table has not been heard by one single per, well, by very little people, maybe in, in our circles, or your mm -hmm. circles, mm -hmm. in the Green Party circles. They've heard the model. Mm -hmm. They believe in it. Mm -hmm. But it's easy for someone to... You know, make it, you know, make it their own because yes. they feel like you don't exist. Like, right. you're, not, you're not even in the ether about this. Can you explain to me a little bit of what is the Green Party candidate for those people who don't know, especially me? I don't know. I'm not educated. I am I was born in this democratic process here in New Haven. I, did, I only thought there was just Democrats in the world until I got older. But well, yeah, well, you know, most people, bit? most black and brown people, especially since, you know, 
um, coming from New York with a heavy Democrat uh, um, presence in you know lower income, working income families in neighborhood, neighborhoods that I grew up in, you, you only knew about Democrats and you heard about Republicans once in a blue moon, you know. Um, but the Green Party is something that I had stumbled on only recently. Like uh, 13 years ago, I came to Connecticut um, and I was looking for party representation outside of the Democratic Party that really spoke to my values. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't find anything on their value statements on their separate websites that talked about environmental justice, that talked about a commitment to peace, um, that talked about, um, you know, the other facets of the community that aren't uh, nearly represented equally or have as, as much airtime as this so-called proverbial working uh, middle class. And I found it with the Green Party. I found a home there. I found an ability to truly be my whole self, my whole self and a community that, that respected me for that. Wow! Wow! So uh, th- th- we gonna, you talked a bit about a little bit about your past and, and where you're originally. So you're originally from New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell me a little bit about uh, growing up in New York and mm-hmm. and how did you find yourself and, and did you discover who you were in in, in that neighborhood and, and that's part of uh, our culture. Yeah, I I grew up in the East New York section of Brooklyn, New York, sometimes called Ocean Hill, mm-hmm. um, Do or Die, Bed Stuy, you know. Mm-hmm. Home of Biggie Smalls. Um, my family is originally from. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I think I've never heard uh, a candidate holler uh, "Home of Biggie Smalls," but go ahead. Well, you know, <laughs> first time for everything. Rap, first time for everything. Well, you know, I'm, I'm would would be the border of the, let me see, Gen Y, Gen X generation. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in, I was in my teens in the '90s. So rap music was central to my identity as well as of, of as my peers. You know, mm-hmm. so you had your calypso, your soca, your reggae. But, you know, when you went to school, the two of you, you know, you and your classmates were trading bars about Tupac and Rock, uh, Eric B and Rakim, EPMD. You know, that's all the stuff that I knew growing mm-hmm, up, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I went to Catholic school because at that time, you know, my parents believed that was the best way I can possibly get an, educa- an education. Mm-hmm. Uh, private parochial uh, Catholic school, and it took um, almost four jobs between the two of them to make that happen. Oh. Um and I went to high school in a now defunct high school, Catholic high school in downtown Brooklyn. So, you know, most of my formative years, you know, from zero to 18, you know, was spent in those hoods, you know. And, and the gift that I wish I could have given my son, you know, people talk about leaving the city to, you know, to move out to mm-hmm. Connecticut and other places, to the suburbs, to give a better life to their children. But I had a phenomenal childhood because I had every museum, you know, every, not, you know, amazing uh Vista and park available for free. Mm-hmm. And I can just hop on the train and be anywhere I wanted to be. And the whole world was New York state to me at that time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in less than two hours. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and, you know, so I try in my own way to take my son to Rockefeller center to, you know, all the different sites so he can get a flavor and back to the hood. So he knows what, you know, where we came from and how we ate and how we just really enjoyed life and made, you know, made some bit of, of, of paradise, you know, on, uh, and speaking of paradise, your parents are, Bl- are from the islands, right? Yeah. My father was from Barbados. Bless them both. My mother was from St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And uh, so St. Vincent that she forced, she, what she wanted to have one of the children in St. Vincent hospital in New York. You That's right. Me. You remember. Yeah. <laughs> she was, she, my, my, uh, my parents, I was the only child of theirs that was born stateside. Um, so, but my, my mother found out there was a St. Vincent's hospital in Manhattan. She was adamant about having me at that hospital. Cause that's the only way I can have that attached to my identity. And I'll never forget that. Okay. So, uh, you, you go and you go to college, you study. Yeah. Yeah. What I, brought you to Connecticut? I mean, what, what did, I mean, was love. it the, love? Okay. Uh-oh. Love, love. I was about 29 ish. Um, I met a man that I, that 
I thought I was in love with, and I was very much in love. I shouldn't say that. Uh-oh. Let's uh, <laughs> team that up. Let's team that up. Past tense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he had a really good life here, and I joined him here. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And then you came to Connecticut, and now you're, you're, you're running for the Green Party. Yes. Uh, and your platform is bringing everyone to the table. Yes. What's, I mean, obviously, what separates you from all the other candidates besides dollar amounts is just the philosophy of the Green Party. Yes. What is the number one thing you want people to get away, take away from mm-hmm. this, the, this candidatorial race? Yes. Um, as far as like the misconceptions around the Green Party that we produce spoiler um, spoiler candidates that take away the votes from other candidates that are running more established candidates that receive corporate funds and or run on their own finances to the tune of millions. Um, mm-hmm. The Green Party is a pro-union, pro-choice, uh, non-corporatist, meaning that we do not take funds from corporate entities of any sort. Um, uh, we are uh, decentralized but focus on the goal of community uplifting and uh, supporting those in need in any way that we can do so. And again, as I mentioned, we are the only party that you will find in state that is focused on ecological justice and righting the wrongs, environmental racism, uh, including, you know, putting uh, trash compactors and other items in poor neighborhoods intentionally Mm -hmm. and affecting uh, communities for generations with, um, you know, different kinds of disease conditions. Mm. Um, We are a believer in the power of a united voice and that we, uh, as when we work together, we can actually make effective change that is lasting. Um, you know, if you listen to the other candidates, particularly Bob Stefanowski and, and uh, Ned Lamont, you know, they have a very corporate mindset. So in most corporations, most businesses only focus mm-hmm. on fiscal years mm-hmm. and the profit they can yield mm-hmm. from that, that very mm-hmm. specific time frame. Mm-hmm. Most of our, our, our priorities are informed by a more First Nations, Native American uh, perspectives where you're looking seven generations behind you and seven generations ahead of you. Wow, so, that's, that's uh, it's a long time. That is a long time, but we are we understand that in order to be uh, a viable community, we have to focus on the lives of our gatekeepers, and that's our elders and our children. How do, how do you get this message out there? I mean, you got no money. Mm-hmm. This, this world works on capitalism. Mm-hmm. You need dollars to take out ads everywhere. Mm-hmm. How do, how, what is the, how, how's been the struggle right now? Um, you know, I have likened it to being um, a walk uphill in the rain in the night. <laughs> okay. that's, that's what the struggle feels like at times, but I'm still walking. Uh how are you getting to people? I mean, are you going door to door? I mean, how how are you doing it? I mean, you're here on the, on local radio. Yes. You do community radio. Yes, I do community radio. I do conversations with people in line at the post office, at the supermarket. Um, I talk to uh, different groups, you know, you know, community agents that really want to know what I'm about. And they understand that my commitment is not just attached to this election. They recognize that I'm a community figure who has been here. Mm-hmm. And I don't intend to disappear onto my yacht or to my, you know, offshore uh, <laughs> estate somewhere else, you know, mm-hmm. to, to rest it off. You know, I live here. I raise my child here. Um, I work as full time as a, um, a hospice medical social worker here, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. a former foster parent, you know, for two years. Wow. So it's, you know, it's, it's something my life is service. And regardless of where I find myself, I always bring myself back to that. My life is service and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're listening to Keeping It 100 with Jose Candelaria, 103.5 FM, WNHHNewHavenPenna.org, powered by La Voz Hispana, supervised by Jarrito Dross. Jarrito. Jarrito Dross. Jarrito. I can never roll my R's. And you're talking, and we're listening <laughs> to Green Party 
gubernatorial candidate, Michelle Louise Bicking. That's right. And she is sharing her message out there about the Green Party and educating people on something <laughs> that people are just not familiar. I, I feel like I'm talking to an alien, okay? Because that's mm-hmm. all. I mean, I've been in New Haven all my life, born and raised. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just shocked that there's something else out there. There's yeah. a fourth option, yep. let alone an independent option. Mm-hmm. What is the difference between an independent option and a Green Party option? Our priorities um, in, in independence are essentially uh, just a different mold of Democrats and Republicans. They tout um, uh, being neutral or being another option in the sense of they have their own ballot line. But basically they follow the same corporatist mindset about, you know, pushing profits over people, um, you know, you know, having like a, a politics of civility, but not actually dealing with the issues you know, that that are that most of people who are considered working class or underclass are facing in this state, namely homelessness, um, food insecurity, um, it, chronic impoverishment, you know, substance abuse, you know, all of those things that that, uh, you know, people are actually facing on a day to day basis. They really have no insight into one of the uh, questions that I asked you the other day while we were over here conversating, we we're just sitting down. And, and so, one of them was, uh, how do you. Uh, You know, you're a governor, running governor. How do you get in touch with the Hispanic community? I mean, what is your message to them? What do you want to say to them? What did they? What should they be hearing from Mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. If you're a governor, what you going to do for us, basically? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Or do you have that community in mind? The immigrant, the Hispanic. Yes, because I come from all of them. Okay, I come from the immigrant. I come from you know the Caribbean, the Caribbean origin. Native, I come from, you know, first generation folk, you know, that is a part of my background and is a part of my identity as a person and as a woman and as a mother. So, you know, I understand that in Connecticut, the climate is such that people tend to, to congregate amongst their own and they're very um, hesitant to involve people that they may not recognize, that may not speak the language, that may not know the culture per se, um, you know, so there may be some hesitancy in that regard. Um, so I think it's a matter of earning people's respect, and that takes time. That's an, a longer-term investment that I'm willing to do. So even if in this election people are still you know, wondering, what can Michelle do for me? What, what does she know? As a clinical social worker, I know a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been in the homes of people who are trying to balance, you know, how do I pay for my insulin medication as well as pay for my, you know, my next grocery bill. You know, I've been in the homes and at the tables of people who wanted to get uh, mental health support for their children, but it's not available because, you know, they're not enough clinicians and that would take Medicaid in order to do so, you know? Mm. So I know what it's like to be there. And I'm also mm. know what it's like to advocate to change that system. So if that means I need to chase down a landlord to give somebody back their rent that was due to them because they already got funds from the state because of COVID, then that's what I had to do. I had a gentleman who, who, who um, the same day that I called after I gave him a piece of my mind, went to that young woman's uh, door Mm-hmm. knocked on the door and handed her a check and said, please don't let that woman call me back. Mm. You know, I am not afraid to go in the fire because I'm immune to the fire. Mm. I'm immune to the fire. It does not touch me because I know what my calling, I know what God has set me on this earth to do. Wow. And that is to serve. Wow. Uh, powerful words, powerful words. I, I, re- I do appreciate what you're saying. Uh, we talk about what changes if you're a governor, mm-hmm. what, what, what are some of the changes because, you know, everything takes a long time. Yes. You know, there's a six-month plan, year plan, mm-hmm. overall plan. Mm-hmm. What is your short term? Let's, mm-hmm. let's do that. What, what immediately would you like to start tackling? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll, you know, I must, I must give credit where credit is due as far as um, the, the members of the Green Party that helped me um, actualize a 100-day plan. Because I haven't seen that from my colleagues, uh, whether they're Republican, Democrat, 
um, libertarian or independent? Like, what do they intend to do in those first 100 days? Mm-hmm. Um, my first priority is to revamp the entire tax code uh, because the tax code as it is is extremely regressive and it focuses, focuses on lining the pockets of the very the extremely wealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. the tax code would have to be revamped so that, that people who make the wealth, I mean, I'm talking about the upper echelons, um, and not just your you know two or four family household that is just trying to make ends meet. People who make the most must contribute in the form of a higher tax burden. Hmm. Um, I also want to invest in the cannabis industry. We've been waiting for over a year for it to get off the ground. And we've seen in other states that it has been very fruitful and the monies that we've received from mm-hmm. um, a vibrant cannabis industry can be reinvested into other, uh, other items, including infrastructure, education, and the like. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to funnel those out of the general fund and actually strategically apply it to different situations, particularly related to education. My three priorities on this campaign is universal education. Number one, because I believe that any child in anywhere in the state should have a, a top tier uh, educational uh, access from the time they enter schooling, from the time they leave it. Um, the second thing is uh, universal health care because health is wealth. Mm-hmm. So whether you are on an insurance plan or not, you have the option to be automatically drafted into the Medicaid, uh, uh, which which I refer to more as a single payer, not the Husky Health Program, mm-hmm. because that itself, even though it's a solid program, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that many states are trying to implicate, but um, to replicate, but have have not done so. It is a solid program. However, there's no support that needs to be needed. It needs to be shored up as far as this resource related to mental health. Right? Everyone could be drafted who doesn't currently have insurance, so they can go out and seek the services that they deserve you know those missed podiatry appointments those missed um you know dental health appointments all of those will be bundled under one uh um one referendum where a person can get access to all of that and the third okay the third third is mass transit because we do not have an appropriate mass transit system and i'm just talking about you know uh, a bus system that goes back and forth and you know it's unfortunately i just read that um, free bus rides are expiring right after the uh, the campaign ends, mm-hmm. which is very uh, interesting. How very convenient? Yeah, very convenient. Like, I'll, I'll, you know, get me into the office, but you know, all <laughs> of the one thing that I one of the things that I actually brought up because of the COVID pandemic, I'm taking away from you, even though I know it benefits more people in this state than anything. And let me tell you, at six o'clock in the morning, when I see the bus drive by full of people, it makes full me full of people. Yeah, full of people. At six in the morning, I'm walking in here to do my morning show. I see the two fifteen X full of folk. And yes, because like, that's like thirty five less for. cars off the road. That's you know, and you know. It, the, the, to be able to use mass transit for what it was designed for was to actually take cars off the road and reduce um, individual footprint in, tar, in terms of air and, and, and water and land pollution, you know. Um, so those are my three priorities. And, and as far as how do I translate that into my actions, you know, I'm interested in um, making sure that uh, everyone has equitable access to resources, opportunities in the state within the first 100 days. And I'm starting with the tax code. Um. I can tell that you're a person of of, of high intelligence and aptitude. Um, I'm all right. I, I like to read bodies and I read body language, and I I, I can see you that you are you dig deep into your mind because you're always looking to your left. So you're looking for a very creative and eloquent way to express yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not looking to the right, which is more rigid and constructed. And this is what I'm going to do. Yes, sir. So I'm very. I see how you are. You formulate, you really do think about every word you say. I you do. understand that effect. I do. I do. Um, and I recognize that, you know, words have a great deal of power. So I don't waste them. Mm. I say what I mean. And I always follow through on what I say. Wow. Uh, that's called integrity. Uh, maybe you should Thank be you. governor. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should. Based on that, maybe you should. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so 
you, you come here, you see the tax base, you see your opponents, you uh-huh. see the lack of re, lack of you call we consider a lack of respect for not being acknowledged or or but yeah. what would you call it? I think it's a, a great deal of disrespect for those who look like me. Right. I don't mm-hmm. see anyone running for office in this state that looks like me. Um, you know, not just the, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> not, not just the complexion wise, yeah, right? Okay, not okay. just like that's ethnic clear, origin. Clarify, yeah, because you know, Rob like Holland is a, you know is a mixed race black man, right? You mm-hmm. know, uh, he identifies as black even though he has the Dutch heritage. You know, so and the Libertarian candidate also is a, is a black man, mm-hmm. African American man. Um, so, but to have someone who has uh, over twenty years of human services and direct services experience, um, to have someone who has you know, who has worked outside of the corporate sector but has dabbled in it as well. Like, I've, I've run two nonprofits, uh, three nonprofits. I've run two, four, three for-profits. Um, you know, I've done my share and then put in my time in, in doing that, you know, that legwork. So I have an understanding of how finances work and how that affects individual people. But that's the other side that's missing. You know, I don't see the people-centered approach, mm-hmm. you know. That's really considerate. I mean, beyond the, the rhetoric and I'm doing this for you, I'm the candidate for you, you know, vote for me. You know, I, beyond that rhetoric, I don't I, actually I, I, see I, a I, vested commitment. Just want to pause you there because I don't hear any candidate with a Barbadian accent. Okay, so but go, but go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, kind of yeah, slipped yeah. out there for it, a second. It, it, com- it comes and goes. It comes and goes. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, so you're here. You, you, got the, you already have a – it sounds like you got a really – really good idea of what it is that you want to do You're very focused do you build consensus i don't know how your party works do you guys get into a yes. room together yes yes you know and then you you talk about it and mm-hmm. there's a lot of consensus building even every article that i've written and i've written over 10 articles you know about issues plaguing our state you know um focusing on on the neediest of those mm-hmm. um i pass by my contemporaries and i'm not looking for permission i'm looking for insight i'm looking for guidance because they have a wealth of everybody comes with a wealth of knowledge that I will never be able to tap into. And you need people's guidance in order to move forward. You know, no no man, no woman, no person is truly an island. Mm. You know, if anything, we're more of a, a, of a republic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, we should hey, behave as such. Be careful. Hey, right? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, right. I, I got no problem saying that. We should behave as a republic, a democratic republic, where everybody has a voice, everyone, every voice is equal to each other, and everyone is relevant, and they, they need to contribute to the way that they're governed. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you want to talk about your, 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 op- op- what's the difference between you guys? I mean, you, I mean, people got a choice to make on Tuesday. They do. They, they, gotta, do. they gotta choose. Now you, now you're saying that there's five people out there, independent, yeah. libertarian, mm-hmm. the, the two main parties and mm-hmm. then you. So now we got five people. Right. Uh, the other two of which I don't even know their names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be honest with you because mm-hmm. of the, the way the systems run. That's right. Again, very intentional. What What is the governor currently doing that you would do different? What, what, give me one aspect of what you would do different mm-hmm. immediately. Well, you know, the, the, the benefit of being a non-corporatist is that money doesn't uh, persuade me to do anything. You know, like being handed backroom deals or having financial commitments in order to, you know, provide a certain whatever. Mm-hmm. Or being threatened, as Lamont was, for, you know, the insurance industry leaving Connecticut completely if, if we uh, push the single-payer single referendum. That doesn't, that doesn't frighten me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to have the disposition of, you know, the understanding that I work, that I'm hired by the state of Connecticut and I'm working on behalf of all of Connecticut mm-hmm. with particular emphasis on those who are destitute, um, mm-hmm. who are uh, chronically ill, who are shut mm-hmm. in, who are elders, you know, all the people who have been conveniently ignored because they have no, there's no profit center there. 
Mm-hmm. Right? Um, I am people over profit. Right? <laughs> and, and, and I think that's a big, big, big difference. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone's business minded. We're in a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. This, the institution runs like a business. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it does mm-hmm. not run like a, 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 um, I say social agency, I mm-hmm. guess is the other version of what government should be. Right. So you're more of the government should be a social entity, a social agency entity that's there to provide services yes. and needs to people. Yes. I believe the state of Connecticut should provide more of a social safety net for its residents and ensure that um, everyone is equally protected anywhere throughout the state. So instead of like focusing on, you know, advancing police budgets, you know, astronomically so they can buy toys such as helicopters um, to, to scope out different cannabis uh, uh, um, farms throughout the state, yeah. um, they could instead invest in restorative justice ac- activities that allow the community to work with, you know, first time offenders, people with minor infractions um, and have a community based resolution of the issues that are that are at hand. Um, so I, w- I, in- I, my spirit is in uh, working with people who are already here, who know the best for themselves, mm-hmm. to make better decisions on how their their neighborhood is run, how their households are run. So you, you know, you mentioned the cannabis thing, and it's just taking so long. I mean, intentionally, and, um, intentionally, <laughs> uh, it's it's a million dollar industry. I don't know how many people of color actually got any of these contracts because it was very they're very very limited. Yes, there were only like uh, twelve, you know, deliveries, twelve mm-hmm. stores, and mm-hmm. twelve dispensaries. It was like. 12, only like 12 of each. Yeah. Do are, are people recognizing that this is creating an underground by not moving? Because now most of these smoke shops are literally selling more than just smoke. Of course. Of course. And, you know, and with the underground, you know, people, necessity is the, the, the mother of invention. You know, if there's an, a desire there for a product and it's, you know, it's practically cost prohibitive to actually go through the legal routes, people are going to find ways to, to make it happen in other, in other avenues. You know, we have a unique opportunity to really have a bustling, vibrant uh, cannabis-based entry. And I'm not just talking about marijuana. I'm talking about industrial hemp as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually wanted to become an industrial hemp farmer um, many years ago, but I received a lot of pushback from um, the Department of Agriculture mm-hmm. because it still wasn't declassified de- yet. Uh, mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it was too much wrapped up in legislation related to marijuana. You were ahead of your time. Yeah, so people know my face because I've been in there having these conversations like, you know, if you actually did your research, you would know that this is, you know, they're cousins, but they're totally different plants, you mm-hmm. know, um, in a lot of different ways, you know. And um, so and, I was and there the in the Vanguard. And hemp is like, you know, almost undetectable. Non-existent, man. Point zero something, Non-existent. zero, zero. It, and, it, and hemp does do. I mean, you can make fabrics out of it. I fabrics. Know, I, I mean, know hippies who love their little their yes, hip hoodies. Fabrics, oils. shoes. Um, what is most of interest to me is straws and disposable products. Wow, um, such as plates. diapers, yep. wow. Uh, plates, containers. All of that can be made out of hemp fabric. And we talk about our, our former manufacturing hubs that we had in this state. We can actually reinvigorate those hubs to produce. Um, um, and actually, you can use marijuana as well. I mean, there's, there, there, there's mm-hmm. again, they're cousins. It's a byproduct. It's it is a, byproduct. a byproduct. Yep. And um, but can but can but industrial hemp specifically mm-hmm. could be used to make all of these different products in house toilet paper, all the different things that we were looking for in the midst of the pand early on in the pandemic. All of that stuff can be done here, and we can resell it to other states. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you know, just thinking about how California has created its own. Um, um, revenue stream through producing in, insulin in-house, we can mm. do that in terms of product production. Mm. Another thing that I'm, I'm truly bent on, and, and it's tied into transportation, is that, you know, we have Electric Boat and, and you know, Raytheon and all of those folks mm-hmm. here, you know, major certain industry pillars uh, related mm-hmm. to technology. We can actually have them create um, a high-speed train cars here in-state. 
So, mm. I mean, the, the prototype can so essentially look like, now different from the submarine. We barely got, connect, got connected to Hartford. <laughs> I never no. You you ask for too little. You that's exactly what you get. You know. You always ask for an abundance. I reject the myth of scarcity. We have more than enough to feed each person in this state, to house each person in this state, to make sure that everybody has a career, not just a job. You know, something a fulfilling life. We have more than enough. So I reject the myth of scarcity. So when I speak, I speak because I know it is possible. We do have the technology in this state to create. Um, you know, non. Uh, you know, highly efficient train cars, mm. and we can sell that to not just other uh, states. We can sell mm-hmm. it to other nations and retire these antiquated, uh, coal-based uh, uh, dinosaurs that we currently use. Wow, I'm just taking back. Uh, you're listening to Keeping It 100 with Jose Candelario, 103.5 FM, mm-hmm. WNHH, New Haven Independent.org, powered by La Voz Hispana, your home for community radio, quote-unquote Paul Bass. Um, I'm here with Green Party candidate, Michelle Louise Bicking, mm-hmm. and we're discussing her platform and her understanding of how the state is run and her ideas to get it moving forward mm-hmm. into the future. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest issues I have, and I, I raised it up in the morning show today, was um, like New Haven has a light, you know, traffic light issue. <laughs> like we, we, there's so much infrastructure that really needs you know, the trains is one thing, mass transit's another. Yeah, I mean. It, there's so many things we can improve on to improve the flow of traffic in this state. That's right. How environmentally friendly is it to have a good grid for your cars and people and good options to take a bus? How, how beneficial is that? It's extremely beneficial on so many different ways. I mean, one of the, the dispositions of the party, the Green Party, is that we're um, focusing on our footprint and how to reduce carbon emissions and how to you know, increase the overall viability of our communities, you know, in terms of our, and we consider nature as our community. We're mm-hmm. not just, you know, we're just not, not the head of the food chain. We're a part of the food chain, right? right? You know, if any aspects of the food chain goes fallow, we go with it, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if we rely more on, on alternative modes of transportation and, and not necessarily pull cars from the equation, but look at other options for cars. Like I was listening to Stefanowski and he brought up those hydrogen fuel cars, um, electric cars are, are, are a decent option, but not the only part of the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, encouraging people to use bicycles and, you know, that sort of thing to get from here to there, which means that you would also have to reduce um, transit times from offices. So encouraging people to work home and work remotely also makes a good, you know, case for that. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking about, again, seven generation, generations ahead. What are we doing to, to, to be proactive and make sure that there's a world for our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren and their grandchildren, you know? Um, and I think it's very possible to do so if we really reinvest from, um, you know, the systems of control, such as, you know, these different police officers and police districts, into the actual community that makes a difference. Because when you think of, you know, how the country makes money overall, right? <laughs> well, well. <laughs> No, the, Legal, seriously. Legally or back channels. No, no legally <laughs> and back channels, right? You know, when you think about how the, the country makes uh, money overall, mm-hmm. I mean, we're the highest, highest, uh, we're the mass weapons producer of the of the world, right? We know most oh, of our yeah. arms we in this just, country. We just sent a couple of millions to uh, Ukraine. It's so, for yeah. the Ukraine again. And I know that, you know, Biden is trying to, 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 to purport this image of, you know, trying to restrain that, that uh, the, the sending of our hard-earned tax money to um, a country that is known for um, a lot of Nazis, uh, you know, present. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's still the case because there's a lot of money in that particular industry, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the 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 capitalism at itself is at the root at most of our ills, our social ills, right? Because capitalism requires 
an underclass. It also requires diverting profits back into the hands of the one percent mm-hmm. uh, in order for it to function. Yeah, I've, I've right? seen I've seen charts and stuff where, where the disparity between the one percent mm-hmm. in income versus the population is at the all time high. It's, yeah. It has not been there has not been as huge a gap in all of history. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had another thought in his goals because you, you just say so much information. Oh, I'm trying, so man. I'm trying. Well, it's, it's an upside down triangle, you know, where the t- it's getting too top heavy. And then what happens is that it's not a viable system, which is why every four to five years, you know, different industries, whether it's the car industry or the plane industry, are all looking for bailouts. And that basically is that they're looking for socialism for themselves, where we deal with the rugged capitalism, right? We have to nice. have to deal with aspects of austerity and cutting back and not drinking that extra latte on Friday afternoon so that they can thrive because their business model does not reinvest into the, into the commons. Keep talking because you're about to change Harito to the Green Party. And oh, Harito, boy. Harito is a, a staunch uh, Proud Boy candidate, but... He, he might change if you keep talking. It's all right. We, you know, we have cookies. You, Come to the dark side. We have cookies. We wheat have cookies. cookies. We have cookies. We have wheat cookies. Um, uh, my question now is, tax taxes. You know, yeah. do we increase taxes to afford all these programs, or do we find uh, ways to reduce money in other pro other areas of government mm-hmm. where there's ill spending yep. to actually fund this? What what is what is your what is my take? It's a combination of things. And I know I had mentioned on Paul Bass's show that we tax, you know, we tax the extreme wealthy in this state. Um, that's only one aspect of it. We need to audit all of our um, our governmental agencies and sub-agencies to make sure that our monies are spent appropriately. Mm-hmm. And if they cannot provide, um, you know, uh, a, a, a guaranteed reason of why money is being used, then, you know, that money needs to be returned back to the state. Um, you know, that's that's number two. Number three, we also need to focus on building up industry in our state. Um, in a way that hasn't been looked before. And I'm thinking about ecologically sound industries, such as investing in things of industrial hemp and, you know, uh, waste reduction, waste recycling, that sort of thing. And then we can definitely be almost like the shining beacon for, and I think I had said that before, of Connecticut could be the shining beacon of, of New England in terms of how to be productive and efficient, but at the same time grounded in uh, respect for those uh, who come before us and who are coming after us, Right. So it's it's a multi-pronged approach that understands that yes, money is needed in this capitalistic system in order to yeah. in order to function. Yeah, but it's not it. it it is we are not beholden to the system completely. We can actually change the system. We are not slaves to the system. The system needs us more than anything else. Mm. So if we revolt against the system, if we decide that we are not going to be used by the system and all of our hard-earned funds given to those who will never work a day in their life, then that's when change will happen. Mm. It's not just by changing party affiliation is actually deciding that I will not stand for this anymore. I'm not actually I'm losing every single time I've elected this particular person to office, regardless of what party color they're carrying. You know, there, there, it is the people's movement that that needs to make a difference. There's a sentiment that's always shared by one of my colleagues here in which they say that it don't matter which party you are, mm-hmm. you're going to be part of the democratic. You know, if you're in the inner city, they're lying to you. Yes. To keep you in pocket. And then if you're in the suburbs, they're also lying to you. They're also lying to you to keep you in the pocket. Yes. So, you know, in, in both senses, it's a sense of alienation as well as, um, you know, a misguided focus on, on, the, on the other. You know, there's always another. You know, the people mm-hmm. in, the, in the inner cities, so-called inner cities, are often, you know, uh, stereotypical, uh, stere- 
the stereotype is that you're black and brown and Asian, right? Mm-hmm. So they want you to stay there and, and um, don't be, you know, go any further than what you know, because outside of that is like the great unknown mm-hmm. and, you know, people will reject you. And then people who are in the suburbs and in rural communities, it's like, you know, you need to stay here because those dark, those dark ones, those, the other, you know, those queers, whatever they want to call or, or mm-hmm. insult us as, you know, they're going to take away from your livelihood, you know, so it's trying to pit community against community because divided we fall. Right. Divide and conquer. And that's how the system keeps winning. Yes. That is how the system keeps winning. Pocket. The common denominator of it all is us. us. When you decide to reject this two party game and say that I'm actually want to vote with my values and I actually want concrete evidence that this person is going to do as they say. A contract, social yes, contract. A social contract with each person in this state, each person, each person on, this, on this planet, because my orientation is global, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. There's a micro-macro always to it. My understanding is global. That's part of my training. That's part, that's part of my faith. That's part of my you know, understanding of how I just operate. Right? You can't change things globally if you don't change them here. That's correct. It's got to start you have at to home. start where you are. Mm-hmm. If you want to see lasting changes, you have to start where you are. And I'm vested in that. That is my life's commitment. All, All right. right. So we're going to do something that Paul Bass can't do. What's up? Vamos ahora a cambiar el idioma. Está escuchando a 100% con José Candelario aquí por 103.5 FM, WNHH, New Haven Independent.org. Por favor, estamos aquí con la candidata por el Partido Verde, uh-huh. Michelle Luis Viking, uh-huh. que está corriendo con una plataforma diferente. Ahora estamos hablando con la, la sociedad, parte de la sociedad que habla español. Tú pasaste un tiempito en un país, ¿verdad? Que habla, hablaste mucho español. Con no, sí, this is the problem here, and you got me because I have full comprehension, but my speaking is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, which, you know, and I have a whole bunch of, uh, of, of you know, Latino can, uh, 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 patients and whatnot. And when they actually get me talking, I'm good. You know, I just pues, have pues, to find pues, my ritmo. Pues, you know? Vamos, vamos con el ritmo. Ay. ¿A dónde tú viviste? ¿Tú viviste a, anteriormente en un país que hablaba español? ¿verdad? No, Bar- no? Bar- Barbados, they, they, they speak English in Barbados, and St. Vincent is also English. But then you do, like... But I learned Spanish in college. Eso que, yeah, ¿a dónde? Uh, the Denison University, the Universidad de Denison, in, oh. in Granville, Ohio. Ah. Mucho, mucho más de mi, mi amigos hablan español, solamente español. You know, de Guatemala, Guatemala Puerto Rico, Panamá. Pues entonces, con, con su lenguaje, con lo poco que tú sabes, ¿qué mensaje tú tienes para la comunidad de inmigrantes? Uh. ¿Qué, ¿Qué es? El, en dos o tres palabras, no tiene que ser tan consciente, porque su, se ve uh. que es una persona bien conocida, uh. sabe mucho, pero... Uh. Puede hablar simplemente a la gente. Uh-huh. Ay, Dale un momento, está formulando ahora. Eh. Yeah, vote, vote para su familia. Uh-huh. Vote para su alma, para, you know, para su, por su barrio, you know. The people that are important to you, you know. I want you to feel that you matter, that your, your life matters, your struggle matters. Uh-huh. So please make considerations on what, you know, what that person who is standing there looking to represent you. You know, mm. what they wish to give you and vote for that person. Tú dijiste que tú, tu padre era inmigrante, tú eres primera generación. Primera generación. Aquí sí, en los sí. Estados Unidos. Uh-huh. Uh, ¿cómo, ¿Cómo eso te ha afectado uh-huh. su, su, su correr de esta carrera uh-huh. en, en, en su vida? 
there was a time and again forgive me for my from speaking in english there was a time where i felt that i was moored to four shores um the legacy of my parents struggle uh my own future being considered black enough being considered caribbean enough mm. you know i always felt that i was being poor uh, uh, pulled in four different directions mm. and then i would say in my early 30s i let go mhm and i recognized that i was standing right there in the center and that's where i belonged mm. it is because of my parents struggle their decision to make a better life for their children not just themselves but their children it is because of being born in east new york at that particular time in the late 70s growing up into the 90s and seeing the hardships that my neighbors had went through and the poverty and the shootouts and the shootouts and the more shootouts it's because of of my you know my glorious culture and music and food it is because of rap music um you know jazz you know growing up in industry all of that made me who i am and then on top of that the woman that i become you know that i taught myself mhm so i didn't need to hold on to those four mores i just i had to be the anchor mm. and that's what i am now uh i thank you for thank you for not faking the funk no, thank sir. you for not you kept it 100 you ain't try to fake it with with a bad spanish accent or anything no nah, man i appreciate that but it, it, i just wanted to show off that you did comprehend i totally very well uh huh So if if you bump into her in the streets and, and you speak Spanish, just just this, call me on it. Uh-huh. This is one candidate that you can actually speak directly in Spanish, <laughs> like it is nothing. She got she'll catch what you're throwing. Yes, you're listening to Keeping It 100 with Jose Canelario, 103.5 FM, whatever NHH. You're even independent dot org, your home for independent radio. Um, so much, so much. Yeah, you did. You know, you're touching on something that's very dear to my heart, and that's identity. Yes, I think sir. that a lot of us, especially first generation, has we have we suffer from identity crisis. We do, and with that comes a lack of confidence mm-hmm. and a lack of you know a direction. Just knowing who you are gives mm-hmm. you direction in life, mm-hmm. and you you touch a lot on that and how that is. <laughs> you don't know how universal that is. Yeah, don't know how universal that is. So your message. basically for people like like yourself first mm-hmm. generation mm-hmm. is just know who you are yeah. rely in who you are and what you know yes and that will get you through that's true do not look for your identity in all these other things that are these other social constructs Mm-mm. that you are good enough as yourself yes black white native first nations um asian doesn't matter what you came from all of you matters and you can incorporate that into the person that you wish to be you know and when i said earlier about not seeing someone like me mm-hmm. running for governor mm-hmm. you know someone who is very well versed in all her the multifacetedness of her identity and not afraid to show any part of it mm. that's missing mm-hmm. you know for someone who is pansexual demisexual and open about it and i outed myself on the campaign that's missing right mm. to know somebody who is profoundly devoted to their roman catholic faith and has no problem talking about how jesus has has saved me some from so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but also recognizing the Af- you know the the african traditional religions that have schooled mm-hmm. you know my relatives and those before them and right. respect immense respect for that speak on shango go ahead shango santeria vudul all of that you know i recognize that and i'm appreciative of that you know I don't see that happening. So I want people to know that this is not the ending, mm-hmm. right? Regardless of what happens November 8th, this is not the end. 
I want you to know that you are in equal measure able to do exactly what I'm doing. Running for the highest office in the state of Connecticut, taking into account what is the needs of people who live here, not what makes headlines. You're filling a gap. There is a gap. There's a gap of choice. Uh-huh. There's a, a, a there you and you saw it and you filled it. I yes, think sir. that's one of the biggest messages I get from every mogul. From the, the from up down that's of color. Mm-hmm. You're filling that gap. This huge shoes, mm-hmm. encouraging others to do so. Yes. You don't win. What's next? I'm still here. Where can, where can we see you? Are we going to see you? Are you going to? You, are you, are are you going to your yacht? No, sir. I'm going <laughs> be in the backyard throwing the football around my son. Um, okay. I'm still here. You know, there. My commitment to my work as a social worker, to as a certified uh, birth doula, mm-hmm. um, you know, as a student of life, that has not changed and will not change, regardless of what happens. November 9th, I'm still here and I'm still chilling. Yeah, and I'm always able to be reached. It's funny. It's like you got a holistic approach to politics. <laughs> maybe it's time maybe it's overdue it's not about business people is it's not about profit margins it's about people mm. you know yeah because you can have all the money in the world and still be miserable and still be completely miserable and completely isolated you know so i actually in some ways i feel sorry for those who have never known what it's like to be without mm. right because mm-hmm. they don't understand how sweet that is when you actually know how to be free how you how you actually be able to earn your freedom mm. I don't feel completely sorry for them because I don't, I don't think billionaires should exist. Number one, right. Mm. You know, mm. any, any money that you see out there that's, con- that's attached to record profits, right. You hear yep, all these yep, things, yep, yep, even yep. Ever, Eversource is reporting yep. record profits, every AT and T yep. record profits. Those mm-hmm. are stolen wages. Okay. Wow. Let's be real about that. That's stolen wages. That is money taken from us. That needs to be reinvested in us. Wow. Right. So I'm not completely sorry for anybody who's sitting on piles and piles of, of stocks and bonds and money because they, they have no heart at the end of the day. They need to give it back to those who need it. Wow. Starting in their own neighborhoods. Uh, Harry, I got a question for you. I know you're listening out there in, in the ether. Was that a deceptive comment? Because um, she spoke some truth right there. And I do appreciate you saying those things out loud. <laughs> Keep it moving. He's liking, he's liking what you're dishing. All right, boss. You just let me know. <laughs> the boss likes what you're dishing. All right. Uh, lack of. So do we need more social avenues in, in this world? I mean, we got the Twitters and the social medias. Do we need a avenue for the thought philosophy you have? Because that your thought philosophy does endanger and encroach on endangerment mm-hmm. of other people's pocket. You're not popular by for rich people right now. I mean, no, I'm telling you no, right now. not a drop. No corporatist funds ever, ever. We cannot be bought, the Green Party. Mm. And, and obviously you can't not be bought. I could never be bought. All right. Well, you know what? I like thank you for your time. Yes, sir. You got a couple got a couple of minutes. Your of message course. to the people. That's it. This is you. I'm gonna I, I now I be quiet. I'm quiet and I'm now a student of yours. Oh my gosh. To everyone who is listening this afternoon, I feel where you are. I personally know what it's like to be homeless. I ter- personally know what it's like to be destitute. I personally know what it's like to have absolutely no one come to your aid. And I want you to know that I'm listening. And beyond listening, I'm acting. Because you deserve to know what life is and what it can be instead of this survival of the fittest. We are all one community. 
and you are very much love. And with everything I am and wish to be, I hope to be your champion in November. Stay encouraged, keep your faith, and drink your water. <laughs> very, very important. Please drink your water. Stay hydrated. <laughs> um, I just want to thank you again, Michelle, Louise, Bicking. Your Green Party gubernatorial candidate on November 8th, another option for you. You've heard her philosophy. You've heard her understanding of what Connecticut needs. I thank you for your time. I feel like I went to therapy. I am a better person for being just in your presence. My aura is cleaned. So thank you very much for the Reiki section, session, the political Reiki, Reiki political session. Political Reiki session. Yes. You've taken away all the negativity. Yes, sir. And, and you came with positivity and answers and solutions. Mm-hmm. And I thank you for it. So with that said, you've been listening to Keeping It 100 with Jose Candelario here on 103.5 FM, WNHH, New Haven, Independent.org. You guys have a great afternoon. Venceremos.